0: But it's good to be in God's house. It's uh, such a, a blessing. Uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Cindy, for inviting me to come, especially during this 21 days of fasting and prayer. We just finished our week of fasting and prayer the week before last. And uh, there's uh, two great things I like about fasting. I, I love the start of the fast and the anticipation, and then I love the end of the fast. And my wife made sure, uh, because we were doing ours uh, uh, virtually instead of in person, and she made sure we had a couple of different uh, types of soup in the house, and uh, when we came off, we came off right. Hallelujah. So so we're thankful to be here and just so thankful to, to be in your presence. And um, we know that God's going to bless you for your uh, time of, of consecration, you know, in uh, uh, Matthew, he talks about the fact when you pray, uh, don't let anybody know. When you fast, you know, wash your face and um, put on your clothes and, and don't act as if you're fasting. And then it says, and the God who sees in secret shall reward you openly. And so I'm anticipating that God is going to reward you all openly for your sacrifice and for your uh, a time of, of, of setting aside things so that you can, Uh, be in his presence. Amen? Let's pray as we get ready to read God's word. Father, we are thankful this morning, uh, Lord God, that uh, you are with us. And Father, we just ask right now, Lord God, that you would uh, anoint uh, me as I proclaim your word. And Father, that you would also open the hearts and the minds of those who are here, uh, that they might receive your word and that your word might change their lives. Lord, we commit this to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, and you should, uh, I want you to go with me to the Gospel of St. John, the Gospel of St. John. And I'm just going to read the first six verses of John uh, chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we'll read those first six verses And it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Uh, One of the things that I've noticed in the years now that I've been walking with the Lord as best that I can is one of the things that I've noticed is that God is very intentional, God was intentional when he created the world as we know it. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and Uh, The darkness he called night, and then he said the evening and the morning were the first day. Uh, For five additional days, he was very intentional in what he created because he was intentionally creating those things because he was going to be intentional about his creation of man. At the end of that first chapter, he says this. He says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. So God made man in his image and in his likeness, in the image of God made he them. Male and female made he them. Very intentional. Uh, When you look into the second chapter of the book of Genesis and the seventh verse, you get a little bit more of an intimate Uh, idea of God's creation of man when he says, uh, and God uh, made man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God was very intentional about his creation. He was very intentional about the creation of man because he created all else in anticipation of man's coming. And we all know the story, man falls in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, and then God is very intentional about his redemption of the man that he made in his image and in his likeness. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, I love this verse, it says, for he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. God already had chose us in Christ Jesus before he created anything. God was very intentional about his redemption, uh, purchasing us back from the power of sin so that we might live in his presence. God's intentional. Well, what about us? How intentional are we? Uh, you know, the U.S. Census uh, says that The United States of America is projected to become majority-minority by 2044 or 2045. Somewhere within that year period of time, uh, for the first time in the United States' existence, it will be majority-minority. The Assemblies of God, according to an article uh, that was uh, printed in August of 2020 in the Influence magazine, states this. Our movement is on target to reach this threshold long before the U.S. population, which would speak volumes to the current culture about the power of the, of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring people together. So I would suggest this morning uh, that as our nation, and not only our nation, but our denomination become more reflective, of the diversity of the world at large, we must become intentional about our response. How do we respond to a world? How do we respond to a nation? How do we respond to a dom- denomination that's becoming uh, more reflective of the world and now no longer reflective of just one monocultural situation? The root of intentionality is the word intention. An intention is defined as a determination to act in a particular way. Intentionality means the fact of being deliberate or purposeful. Something done on purpose to do by intention or design. A conscious act on the part of an individual. As we look today. As we look today at Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman, let's uh, mark his intentionality as he interacts with this woman and let's apply it to our lives where we can. Can can we do that this morning? Uh, First of all, the first thing that I notice from this text from John is that he intentionally went through Samaria. Uh, Scripture says in verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus did not take the normal route between Judea and Galilee. Uh, Conservative Jews would travel a route that would help them to avoid Samaria and help them to avoid what they considered to be half-breeds. Literally, they would go west of the Jordan, travel on the west side of the Jordan until they got to Galilee and then cross back over so that they could completely ignore Samaria altogether. You see, when the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom of Judah, they took almost all of the population captive, exiling them to Babylon, and they left behind, what they left behind were the lowest caste of people. And those individuals ended up intermarrying with people that began to move into the land. And they had a religion that was made up of some of the laws of Moses and lots of superstition. It was a a mongrel type of religion. Because the Samaritans uh, were a mongrel nation, the Jews hated them. They hated them. Uh, Most of the Jews in Jesus' time despised the Samaritans disliking them even more than they disliked the Gentiles because they were, religiously speaking, half-breeds who had an eclectic, mongrel type of faith. Uh, uh, the Jews actually believed that if a Samaritan's shadow just happened to rest upon you, that you were unclean until the evening. That's how much they despise the Samaritans. But listen, Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. I'm not going to avoid Samaria. I'm not going to avoid the half-breeds. I'm not going to avoid the mongrels of the faith. No, I'm going through Samaria. It's not the shortest route. It's not because of practical necessities. It's not because I I want to sightsee as I'm moving into Galilee, But, but there are people there in Samaria that need to hear the good news of the gospel. Can you say amen? Where is God attempting to take you? And who in your circle of influence needs to hear about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Who are the Samaritans of our day? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Who are the Samaritans of our day? You know, I I would hazard to guess that they're immigrants of all types. We don't like immigrants. They're coming in. They're taking our jobs. They're coming in. They're supplanting us. They're coming in. They're taking over. So immigrants of all, Hispanics in particular, attempting to illegally cross our border and take our jobs. Or maybe they're just black folks. Jesus intentionally went through Samaria. Second thing he did, he intentionally set up an encounter with this woman at the well. Uh, Sychar was the ancient city of Shikkim, uh, which was the capital of Samaria. This is the place where Abram first came after he left Ur of the Chaldees. It's where God met with him and and reestablished the covenant and told him that he was going to give his descendants the land. This is where Abraham built an altar uh, to the Lord and and worshiped him there. It's the same place that Jacob returned to with his wives after he fled from Laban. This was a place of great spiritual significance uh, in the life of Israel. And, And I'm not surprised that Jesus stopped there. Something significant was about to take place. This was an intentional intersection for Jesus. Uh, This was not by chance. This was not by happenstance. This was something that Jesus planned out. I must needs go through Samaria. The scripture goes on to say that when he got to this well in the city of Shechem or Sekar, It says that he, being wearied from his journey, sat down at the well, and it was about noon. This woman came for water at an unusual hour, and she came alone. Uh, Most women who came to get water for the day came early in the morning before the sun had risen to its height. And they came together in groups as a way of protection from those who were herding their flocks and their, their sheaves and their cattle. Women of ill repute, though, avoided drawing in the morning because uh, she, and so she intentionally came at the hottest part of the day so that she would not have to interact with people. By coming at that point of the day, she could avoid the rejection. By coming at that point of the day, she could avoid the stares. By coming at that point of the day, she could avoid the comments and the uh, revulsion that she would feel from other people. Jesus, though, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So as lost as she was, Jesus came to find her. I believe that Jesus was aware of the practices surrounding women of questionable character and deliberately arrived at noon because he wanted to have an interaction with this woman. Thirdly, he intentionally engaged her in conversation. Tradition said that a rabbi would not speak to a woman in public, not even his wife. She should have been ignored. It was unusual for a Jewish person of that time to ask a favor or accept a drink from a Samaritan's cup. But Jesus said to this Samaritan woman, give me to drink. He intentionally engaged this woman in conversation. Fourthly, he intentionally dismissed the tradition of the day. When he asked the woman to give him to drink, you know what the woman's response was? She understood the tradition. She understood that she should not have been spoken to. She understood that she should have been dismissed and ignored. And her response was, how is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me who am a Samaritan woman? Don't you know? The tradition, don't you know that the Jews have no dealings whatsoever with the Samaritans? As I stated earlier, the the strict rabbis forbade forbade a a rabbi to greet a woman in public. Uh, They couldn't even speak to their wife or their daughter in public. Uh, There was even a group of Pharisees at that time that they called the bruised and the bleeding Pharisees. When they came into the presence of women, they would close their eyes and they would run into buildings and walk into objects, into trees, uh, just so that they could fulfill the tradition of the Father. Jesus never responded to her intrusion in tradition. He never called her on it. He dismissed it. He didn't entertain it. What tradition do we hold on to that prevents us from effectively sharing the gospel with some people? You know, I believe in this day and age in which we live, when the United States of America and our own denomination is becoming majority-minority, we have to set aside our traditional way of thinking, things that were passed down to us uh, from a parent to, to, to child and from child to grandchild. And, and, and we have to find a way to set aside the traditions of men so that we can effectively share the gospel with people that are in need. Say amen, somebody. Fourthly, he intentionally spoke to her spiritual condition. That's why he was at the well. That's why he asked for something to drink because he wanted to share with her the words of everlasting life. When she responded by saying, Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of me and I would have given you living water. See how he drew her in. He said, look, I got a gift for you. He says, if you really knew who I was, you know, he says, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. He drew her in. And her response was, Sir, the well is deep, and you don't have a leather bag to draw with. Uh, Whence then comes this living water? Uh, She was thinking on a a temporal plane, how can I get this water that I don't have to come back to the well and draw anymore? How can I lighten my daily load? What can you do for me? Uh, But Jesus was drawing her in so that he could share the good news with her. Jesus responded to her and finally he told her, he says, go and call your husband and then come and I'll tell you all about the water. She responded by saying, I have no husband. And he said, you have answered truly because you have had five husbands and that fellow that you're now with is not your husband either. You have well said, the woman saith unto her and look how her Her understanding is improving. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You're not just a friendly Jewish man who asked me for something to drink. Look, I've, I've now come to understand that you are a prophet. Jesus then went on to tell her about the true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. It's not a place that designates us, but it's a relationship with the living God. It's not in Samaria or in Judea. It's not at the temple or at the place that you've built, but the true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And She said, give me this water that I don't need to come to this well and draw ever again then she said, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he has come. He's going to tell us all things. And then Jesus reveals himself to her. I that speak unto thee am he. You see, Jesus intentionally went through Samaria because there was a woman who needed to know that he was the Christ the son of the living God. There was a woman who needed to know that just because she was a woman, she was still qualified. Uh, she, She needed to know that just because she was a Samaritan woman, she was still qualified. And just because she was a Samaritan woman with questionable character, God still was reaching out to her and extending to her the possibility of being reconciled to God. Jesus intentionally went this way. Sixth thing he did, or the sixth thing that happened as the disciples returned because they had gone into the city to find something for the Lord to eat because they had been walking for hours to get to that place. And when they returned, the woman took her leave. She intentionally went back to the city and evangelized her community. Isn't that powerful? She went from thinking, well, this is a crazy man asking me for water to knowing that, oh, well, maybe you might be a prophet and to, to finally coming to an understanding this is the Christ that we've been looking for. And Scripture says the woman then left her water pot and went her, on her way into the city and saith unto the men, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did is He not the Christ. You see, when when you have an interaction with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when you have an interaction with Jesus, the Son of God, when he comes into your heart, you can't help but tell somebody else about what Jesus has done for you. She was so impressed that she went back, even though she was a woman of ill repute, and she called together the people in her community and in her neighborhood and told them, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. And guess what? They were so impressed with the change in her that they returned to the well to meet Jesus. Number seven, the Samaritans intentionally decided to believe on Jesus. Jesus had a conversation with them when they arrived at the well and and scripture says in verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now look at that. Just think if Jesus had decided not to go to Samaria. Just think if he would have crossed over the Jordan and traveled on the west side of Samaria until he got to Galilee and then crossed back over into Galilee. He would have missed an opportunity to share his faith with this woman who in turn shared her faith with her community And that whole community got saved. Whoo, hallelujah. They all got saved. They they all believed because Jesus came and had to go through Samaria. Number eight, I love this. Jesus intentionally stayed for two more days. Wow. Remember, these are the half-breeds. These are the outcasts. These are the individuals with a mongrel faith. These are the individuals, if their shadow only uh, falls on you, you're unclean until the evening. But Jesus decided that they were worth evangelizing. Hallelujah. Uh, They besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two more days. You know what happened? Those people who came out initially, With the woman, went back and found others. And they came out for the next two days. And he continually presented the gospel. And by the time he left, there was a South Oaks community church planted right there in Samaria. Lastly, he intentionally redirected the focus of his disciples. When the disciples came back and saw him talking to this woman, they were amazed. They they, they were surprised. They said, oh, man, he's really busting up tradition here. But they knew better than to say anything to him. Uh, No one asked him, what are you doing? Or why are you talking to her? Instead, they came to him and said, Master, eat. And Jesus redirected their attention. He says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his good work he said, say not ye yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. In Samaria, he says, arise, lift up your eyes, and look out onto the fields, for they are white already for harvest. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying that the untouchables need to be touched, that the unacceptables need need to be accepted, that the rejected need to be accepted. He was saying that we don't need to, 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 to wait, but the, the fields are ripe already to harvest. He changed their focus. You're not just going to the 12 tribes of the lost tribes of Israel, but this message that I'm giving you is for the world. At large, my meat is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His good works. Lift up your eyes, for the fields are white already unto harvest. I'm so excited that we're becoming majority minority because our fields are white. Already for harvest. And we need to be intentional about how we are going to respond to those who have been rejected. Those who have been marginalized. Those that have been pushed to the back. Those who we normally would frown upon. Those that we're fearful to talk to those are the ones that the Lord says, arise, lift up your eyes, for the fields are white unto harvest. That means that the Somalis who live all around the church that I pastor, they're part of the fields that are ripe and ready for harvest. That means the Hispanics who are Uh, solely and completely committed to the Holy Roman Catholic Church, are ripe and ready for harvest. Uh, That means that all of the people that live within that community where we serve and where we pastor, we need to intentionally go after them with the good news. The church that I pastor, Christ Church International, the old gospel tab, Has been in existence for 102 years. Uh, This is the church that started North Central Bible Institute in the basement. Became North Central Bible College and now is North Central University. Started in the basement of our church. Uh, One of our former pastors bought the campgrounds in Alexandria, Minnesota. The district office started. In that church where I am pastoring right now, we have a rich history. But we carried a mortgage on that building that was built in 1977, the sanctuary. We carried that mortgage for over 40 years. In 2020, as we were approaching our 100th year anniversary, which took place in October of 2020, the beginning of the year, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you need to pay that mortgage off. And so we got intentional. I found out how much we owed, And I d- divided it up amongst the giving units within our church and told them that each of you all are responsible for this much within the next eight months. And we were intentional. We talked about it every Sunday. We gave a total every Sunday about how much had come in and how much was still old. Some within the congregation said it's too much for a congregation of our size. We'll never do it. But they joined in. And by the time we celebrated our 100 year anniversary in October, we were able to burn the mortgage in front of the entire congregation. Because we were intentional about retiring the debt. I believe God wants us to be intentional, to use a political phrase, about reaching across the aisle. I believe that God wants us to touch. Those that have been considered untouchable. Those that have been considered and blackballed as gang members, drug dealers, the outcast of society. What did Jesus say? He said, those that are sick are in need Of a physician God was intentional Jesus was intentional and I believe that we should be intentional as we move forward in the 21st century touching the untouchable with the good news of the gospel can we bow our heads Close our eyes all over the building. Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you're calling us to in the 21st century. You're calling us to move out of our comfort zones, to reach across, to set aside our traditions, to set aside the things that we've been taught. And to embrace a world that's different than ourselves. Sharing with them the good news of the gospel. Lord, we thank you this morning that you had to go through Samaria. Because there was a woman, a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan woman with a questionable character that needed to hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, as you were intentional, help us to be intentional also. As every head is bowed and every eye is still closed. If you want to be intentional, I know we don't know exactly how we're going to do it. I'm still trying to figure it out. But if you will commit to being intentional with sharing the good news of the gospel, just want you to raise your hand where you're seated. I want to pray for you. Father, you see the hands that were raised. You know the hearts and the desires of the people here at South Oaks. Lord, we pray in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus that you will show them how they can touch their community with the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you so much for that wonderful message. And uh, personally, I love that story because it shows you that no matter where you come from, Jesus could care less. He wants you to be part of the kingdom of God. He wants you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. How awesome is that, and what an encouraging word for us to be intentional about giving that to others. So thank you so much. Would you stand with me as we, as we uh, close here then? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.